Welcome to Amargal Football Weekly. Okay, welcome to another episode of Amargo Football Weekly. And we, we say the weekly a uh, little bit, a uh, weekly kind of 10-day, whatever we're going to call it here. I think we're going to, yeah, I, I you know, to, to Marigal Match Day. I talked to Kyle a little bit earlier today, uh, you know, and I think we're going to actually find a uh, little bit of a rhythm here now, you know, taping maybe on, on um, you know, Mondays after the games, before the Champions League games, whatever. We're, we're going to see how this ends up working. But, um, you know, obviously uh, we have about uh, probably enough stuff to talk about from the weekend to do about 16 shows. Um, start, you know, Kyle, you, you, you gave us a little outline here. I mean, you, you, you clearly want to probably start with the, uh, this disastrous, uh, FIFA or I, IFAB, I guess it is. IFAB runs it now. This, this handball rule, which I, I mean, you, you go ahead. I, well, it's, I can't, I'm so it's it's so crazy at this point. <laughs> well, well, you had you had two situations uh, this this past weekend where this new handball rule came came apart through VAR. Obviously, with Manchester United three, Brighton two, the handball that is goes to VAR after the final whistle. They go and look at it. It comes back penalty. Bruno Fernandez scores it. Manchester United ends up uh, beating Brighton three uh, two, and then. Uh, you, later in the weekend, you have Spurs against Newcastle. Uh, again, another VAR handball in stoppage time. Uh, the ball comes down, it hits Eric Dyer. It looked like it hit him, what, on the, the tricep there uh, after a video review, and they award a penalty, which Newcastle scores in extra time for a 1-1 draw. Uh, obviously, Jose Mourinho in fine form after the game says he if he wants to give money uh, away, he'll give it to charity. He doesn't want to give it to the FA, so he will not speak about this. He then, he then goes on to say he thought uh, Darlow, the Newcastle keeper, was the man of the match, unless you wanted to give it, the man of the match to something else. So, so, so Jose was, was at his best this week. Um, but, but again, uh, the, the handball rule, and we've seen some, uh, a lot of coaches speak out uh, against it. I mean, even Steve Bruce, after, he, after Newcastle came back and got a point, said, you know, Am I happy to get a point? Yes, but if I was in Jose's position, I would be fuming as well. Um, when you look at the hand, the the way the handball rule is being uh, uh, adjudicated right now. So I'm going to be the one who kind of takes the controversial stand here. It's pretty clearly defined as a rule, right? Like it is more clearly defined and less subjective than any handball rule we've had in a while. They were handballs. According to the letter of the law, they were handballs. And I am all for taking away the subjective nature of a handball. Whereas it's, eh, he didn't really mean to do it, so, eh, close enough. Like, at least, it's not perfect, but at least this is clearly written. But you have, uh, you almost have unit, unanimous disapproval of this among Premier League coaches. And I actually heard Jamie Carragher today, say today on, on Sky Sports uh, that the coaches and the Premier League may be looking to get this changed by the end of the year. Because what you have, if, if you look at the situation, and I think it's the Newcastle, new, the one in the Newcastle Spurs game, um, where... Is that really impacting the play? That handball that was called against Eric Dyer. Right? He jumps up. He gets nudged in the back. His arm comes up. It hits what? It hits him right in the tricep. It's, there's clearly no intent there. And was, was that denying a goal-scoring opportunity for Newcastle? Because that ball hit him in the tricep 17 and a half yards from the goal. But this rule isn't denying a goal-scoring opportunity. But that's but that's what I, but no but what I'm saying is there has to be some interpretation, right? It, it has to be some referee discretion as to whether that's a handball or not. Look, if a guy's arm is out is out away from his body and the shot hits the arm or the cross hits the arm, then yes, it's a handball, right? It stops them from possibly having a chance to score. But in this situation, was Newcastle in a position to score a goal seventeen and a half yards from the goal? 
because because a header from close range hit his tricep. They were in the penalty area. I I, I have a couple things for this. You, you know, I, I think the reason that this is like this is because last year during the VAR during the Premier League was a disaster. They wouldn't. They would never go check the monitors. They would never go do this stuff. People were talking about the lines weren't calibrated. So in the off season, which there wasn't much of. IFAB took over and they're like, listen, we're running this stuff. You have no say. This is a handball. This is this. These are the rules. All of a sudden now they come back after, you know, I mean, they were only playing like a week ago and then they had a week off or two weeks off. I mean, you know, the the FA Cup was August 1st and then the, F, the, the community shield was August 29th and now you're playing and all of a sudden they're calling these, these, uh, these handballs and, you know, it, it, like Mike said, I mean, it, if they're going to call every handball in the box, a hand, like, I don't care. As long as they call everything the same. But, you know, they're going back to VAR, looking at the one from the first week with Crystal Palace and, and uh, Lindelof. Um, so if, if, they're, if it's a handball in the box, it's a handball in the box, it's a penalty. If they're going to do that for every match, they're really nobody should have a problem. I mean, it's just going to affect the overs and the – the uh, you know the score lines are going to be four three or whatever, but you know who cares about that? People like that anyway. But um, you know the difference I think on the weekend too. Like people were really kind of pissed off about the United one. I mean, the first of all his hand. Second of all, it was on goal. Like uh, Maguire's Maguire's header was cleared off the line at the last second. The the United play was a handball. Like they got yeah. that. Right by using VAR, I think just it, what what the talking point is though he is that the, is well yes in that the in that he should have called it on the field yeah. right right yeah. and then you can go look at it what you had is then he's blowing the whistle for full time yeah and you're going yes. back after technically the game is over to 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 review the handball call yeah. right. Like, is that not, is that not an issue once, once, like, and I understand like that, okay, that was the next whistle to stop play. But if the next whistle to stop play is for the game to end, can you go back then? Like, that's what I think some of the issue is, right? Like, if that was a handball, he should have called that on the field, right? Right. The referee should call that on the field. And then let and then overturn it. And then you can go look at it. Is is it kind of it kind of reminds me of the NFL pass interference debacle from from last year. Remember, like everybody got all up in arms after the one play in the in the NFC Championship game between the Saints and the Rams, and then we had this whole thing where coaches can challenge uh, pass interferences, and then they turned around and they didn't overturn any of the calls. So, so nobody really knew, like, okay, what's pass interference and what's not pass interference because there's no consistency to it. So I think that's that's what th- – there's problems there too is that this handball rule has not been consistent from year to it year. Has, it seems to keep changing every single it year. It hasn't been consistent from year to year, but with IFAB taking over, it now has a level of consistency about it, at least through this week. The more the English Premier League coaches start to complain and start to moan, then it becomes inconsistent. And I know you talked about referees' discretion earlier, but when referees' discretion becomes involved, that's when we talk about things like Manchester United getting calls that Crystal Palace doesn't. But isn't we that what? But take... isn't that what makes? Isn't that what makes this sport great, though? Isn't like? Isn't like referee error and having to discuss that? Isn't that like part of what makes the sport? You know what it is that we get the that that we talk about that the the next day. It's certainly wonderful. Like I understand, I understand, I understand the need to to wanting to get it right. But my but the point is, is that call the Newcastle Spurs was that right by the letter of the law? If that's what if you're saying a handball is okay from the armpit to the to the hand, if that's what you're defining as a handball, and okay, it hit him in the tricep, but when he is. Been jumping in the air. When you jump in the air, you have to put your arms up to jump. Yes, mm. yeah. like you cannot like jump up like you're right, like like a pencil, mm. like right? A like you know, like straight, like like you have to to get up off the ground. You have to get some leverage. He jumps in the air. He gets little nudge in the back. His arm comes up. It wasn't his arm wasn't all the way out here, right? It came up a little bit, right? And the ball hits him. 
barely hits it. Should that be, you know, it, to me, that's not enough for a handball to determine to, for, for a penalty. But that's, look, and look, that's, that's my opinion, but I, under, but I also understand that when you have VAR, and if you're using this IFAB rule, they're going to overturn that. Correct, and that's where I stand. I, I, I know a lot of people don't like the offside rule that came in last year, but I'm the same way on that. If you're going to have VAR and you're going to have a clearly defined offside, if you're going to have yeah. a clearly defined handball, well, then you have to call them and damn the bad luck. I, I think I think another one of the issues now is I think and you I've been hearing this for years um, about the game. You know who's the who's the best ref in England? That there's no Howard Webb, there's no Mark Clattenburg. You know Howard Webb ref, refereed a um, World Cup final 2010. He world a Champions League final in 2010. Mark Clattenburg Champions League finals, Euro finals. I mean these guys were big time. You know strong refs. You know, you had those guys, David Ellery going way back. I mean, you know, uh, who's the guy now? You see, I see. Um, it seems like they like Anthony Taylor. Yeah, well, Anthony he, Taylor. He seems like he's yeah, the guy they he, like. He, he he just did the um, Super Cup final, mm-hmm. the UEFA Super Cup. And, you know, they, they, Martin Atkinson as well does some games and they have people. But, I mean, there's not that one guy. And, and I think the standard of refereeing in the league has kind of – fallen over the last five years you've seen people talking about this and it's just you know now it's just I I was a little bit glad in that game with United you know he went over to the bar and and changed that one call the Pogba penalty right inside the first couple minutes of the second half because that kid I mean he grabbed the guy so at least they're going over there they're being told to go and look at it and they overturned a few in the last couple days and I, I think that's big for us you know but it's got to be better on the field. That's and you and I have and, and I've I've sent this to you guys as well. Is that what what also upsets me is when the referee doesn't make the right call on the field, yeah. and then you go to VAR and it's blatantly obvious yeah. what happened, and you're like, but okay, we went to VAR and we got it right, but we shouldn't be getting that wrong yeah, right on the, the field first, in the yeah. first place. It's got to be right on the field to start with. The things that are tough are like the, the, the some of the red card challenges where they're, you know, they, they go and I, I, ne- I never really have a problem with them going over there to look. Cause so, so, some of those, it's hard to see, but like, I mean, you, you see some of these, like, I mean, I, I forget what it was. The, during the Chelsea, during the Chelsea Liverpool game, when, when Christensen oh, took him down from tackle, uh, tackles him from behind and he gives a yellow card yeah, yeah, and he gives a yellow yeah. card and you're like, you got to give that Why? a red, and then if yes. you go look at it and then say, nah, it's a yellow ball, you, you, you know it's a red card. I mean, everybody watching the game is yelling red card. I mean, you could if, – if you've watched enough, if you played enough, if you co- – you know, I mean, you've seen enough. You know what a red card is. and it, it, it's, A lot of times they give these yellows, and they're like, oh, we're going to go to VR and say, oh, now it's a red. Well, you know. It should be the other way around. You know, listen, we're going to go red, and then if it's too strong, then you kind of go backwards and say, you know what, it's a yellow. I, I, that That's fine, but, like, it, too often they, they go look at this thing for like car, calls that should be automatic red cards, and they're like, eh, I'll give them a yellow. And then they go, the VAR guy goes, listen, you, you got to look at this, man. He's got cleat marks up and down his leg. You know, how, how'd, uh-huh. you, how'd you miss that one? One uh, one other thing I wanted to point out from that Brighton Manchester United game as well. Um, Brighton hit the post five times in that game. That's a Premier League record since they started <laughs> keeping that stat in uh, 2003-04. That's the, the greatest, the greatest thing after the match. For, first of all, as a United fan, like you know, after the match, I mean, you go online. United's the first team to ever win a game after the final whistle blew. This is ridiculous. They're cheating. So, so uh, they, they, I guess they interviewed Bruno Fernandes. He's like, listen, the point of this is to score goals, not hit the crossbar post. Like, you got to score. <laughs> like, right after he scored the penalty to win 3-2 in, in the 100th minute of five minutes of extra time. And, but that's the other thing, too. I, I watched – we watched the highlights of this. People – this injury time thing, added time, when they announce it in the stadium, the, re- re- the referee has said there will be an – a minimum of five minutes at a time. Minimum, right? So Brighton scores in the 90, 
94-30. After they made a sub, by the way. Or sub, there was a sub. Uh, Anthony Martial came off. So that's 30 seconds there. Brighton scores at 94-30. They didn't, Manchester United didn't kick off until 95, like 35. So that's a minute right there, right? So plus the, plus the 30 seconds for the sub. The penalty was awarded at 96.30, like dead on 90 seconds after the five minutes. So it's not like this came out of nowhere. People people always get mad. They're like, how does he give this penalty in the 96th minute of 95? Well, you know, your guy took 17 minutes to throw the ball in. You know, he's over there walking over to a corner. It, it, you know, the ref looks at that. You know, he says, listen, he's going to add time on. So it, it's just... I'm just glad, you you know, first of all, I'm glad United won because that would have been disgusting if they lost. It was already, I I think, you know, this is one thing as we will segue into this Leicester game for for Mike here. Um, The teams that played late into Europe, Wolves, City, United, look like they they have no time, like they've had no break at all. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just... These teams are like, it's a mess right now, but I think those teams are going to kind of come into it. You know, they, they, they're still kind of, it's almost like they're preseason. They're still getting into it. And I think further down the road, maybe they're going to be a little bit better off than some of these teams that are, that are going to be jammed up and playing all these extra t- things. But at that point, you know, you could be too far behind because, you know, Liverpool is, you know, Liverpool is, Liverpool took care of the. We'll talk about that too. Liverpool took care of the pretenders today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, Leicester, Leicester five, Manchester City two. Uh, what a result for the for the Foxes away from home at the Etihad. Uh, Leicester scores three penalties in the game. Um, Jamie Jamie Vardy also with a hat trick. Uh, he now has I think I saw two Premier League hat tricks against uh, Manchester City. Uh, but man, uh, and then of course Pep not happy after the game. Also says he did not like the way Leicester. He criticized the way Leicester played. Which again, to me, they scored five goals. Scored five goals against you. I'd be more worried about why my team gave away three penalty kicks than what the the opponent was doing. Uh, but Mike, given given the way Leicester ended last season and missing out on the Champions League places on on the final day of the season, uh, to to bounce back and start with with three wins from three nine points, uh, they're at the top of the table right now. Uh, is there some momentum here from Leicester? I know they started well last year as, as well before they faded, um, but will this team be able to maintain that throughout the course of the season? Here's one thing that at the end of last season, and I know I mentioned it a couple of times on here, but I don't think was talked about enough last season. Ben Chilwell, James Madison, and Ricardo Pereira were all hurt. That's three of Leicester's five best players were out for a majority of that stretch post-COVID. Now, Leicester comes back. They do a little business in the window. Castagne has been an unbelievable addition for Leicester. He's been really, really good. So that really makes up for the Ricardo Pereira absence. And then you talk about the five goals that Leicester scored, three of them after Madison came onto the pitch. Madison is so valuable to this team. It's really hard to understate how creative he is. You know, the stats out there that since the beginning of 20, or I think since the beginning of 2019, he's created the most goal-scoring opportunities in the Premier League. Uh, He's just such a huge player, and Manchester City was unbelievably sloppy in that game. Leicester has always been really good at creating opportunities. Even when they were faltering last year, they were really good at creating opportunities. They haven't always been good at finishing them. But Castagne has been a really creative player on the right side. Jamie Vardy's, I mean, like... Jamie Vardy. Yeah, if you if you, like, if you keep fouling them in the box, Jamie Vardy will score from the spot. Guys, like, yeah. <laughs> guys hold, hold, hold on one second. I, I have some breaking news. Tiki Bajiristan has just sent me a text. He's offering me a one-year deal to come and play center back for the club. I am an upgrade <laughs> on what they have right now. I am, looks, I am an upgrade. It looks they, like the deal for Ruben Diaz is going to be done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be a huge addition for them. But I, 
Garcia. They're a mess. They're a mess. They're a mess. Yeah. And this is what, a billion dollar defense plus now? They, he spent so much money, man. I, you looked at him after the game, man. They, they talked about it on, on the Premier League, uh, the post-game show. And they were just – he was just kind of like like laughing it off. But I, I think he's probably like half checked out at this point already. I mean, this team, there's no chance. I I, I, I overreact sometimes. But, I mean, there's – I just don't – Fernandinho, did you see him when he got pulled? He was super pissed. That- that that bench that bench was not. Um, they brought Roy Delap's kid on some seventeen yeah. year old striker. Roy Delap's kid, which is ridiculous that Roy Delap's kid is already. I mean, he was already. You know, he was only playing ten years ago in the Premier League. Um, Roy Delap's kid comes on and plays, but I mean, they look. You know, they they have a couple injuries, and this is like the deepest team in the league, and they it's like a shambles. I can't. I, I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. It was crazy. I think Leicester uh, uh, deserves credit for this result. What's that? Like Leicester deserves credit for this result. Oh yeah, of course. That you know, I mean, they 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 took advantage of. I mean, you, you, that's what you got to attack. Like every time City lost last year against United, Wolves, all these teams that beat them, Lyon. I mean, you see that the the, the the offensive players attack. They get in the box and they 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 make. They make players make mistakes. I mean, a lot of time you just teams just sit back against City and let them have seventy five percent possession. And yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to get two chances a match, and it, you know if you don't score, you don't get, you don't win. But you you got to you got to make them make mistakes. I mean, some of the their some of their players are getting old, and you know they're a little dodgy. I mean, that back four is without Laporte and some of these other guys. I mean, it's just. It's not very good. That lineup, I, I was just like, what the hell is he doing? All of a sudden, like, Fernandinho has been a center back for the last, like, six months. And then all of a sudden, he puts him at defensive midfield in a 4-2-3-1. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing today? I just don't get it. He does that in all these big games. I just, and I, I don't know what they're, they're, I, I think that cycle might be over with that team. Now, you talk about big games, by the way. One of Brandon Rogers' favorite hobbies is winning big games in September. <laughs> this is the best run of form Leicester's ever been on. But with growing success comes growing expectations. Sure. And we saw a very – now, granted, as I said, the injuries matter. But we saw Leicester collapse down the stretch. We saw Brendan Rodgers get sacked from Liverpool in part because his teams collapsed down the stretch. It's great beating Man City. It's a great result. It's a great feeling. But if Leicester wants to be a consistent top four side, if they want to take that top six and make it a top seven or knock an Arsenal or knock a Spurs out of that top six, they need to win big games in March, April, and May, not just in September. Sure, but I think the expectation at at Leicester is still different than what the expectation was at Liverpool. Absolutely, and and that that kind of will bring us to Liverpool, three uh, one over Arsenal today. They went uh, they they went behind in that game, uh, but then Sadio Mane, Andrew Robertson, and Diego Yata on debut uh, all score for Liverpool. Uh, three wins from three for Jurgen Klopp's guys, and they certainly look like. They are the favorites once again for the Premier League title. Sean, you kind of poo-pooed that addition last week of Diego Yata, but he's going to be a good player for them. Yeah, no, basically, I mean, you know, I I was just kind of talking about how, like, the Wolves fans were saying. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to be good for them because, um, you know, he he adds depth. And if, um, especially if, you know, when Alden leaves, you know, it's it's just an added player. I mean, you see him coming coming off the bench and see what he did. Um, but I mean that, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this today. I, I mean, I, Liverpool, people thought Arsenal was looking to win today. And I'm just like, come on, man. Arsenal's, Arsenal fans are just, they're, they're, they're interesting. Your boy, Rick Fortenbaugh. I haven't heard anything from him today after the game. He, he likes to talk about, you know, United bribing the refs, but, uh, I haven't heard anything after. And then his other team, City, lost too. So 
But uh, this... one of my favorite things in the world are Arsenal fans never learning. It's funny to watch them step on that rake every single bleep in time. This is the cra- and the craziest thing about like it, it, any like I can see this coming from my way. You know, who, you know who goes to City when Pep leaves, right? Arteta. Oh yeah, I, I mean I, that's why I would you know that's if if I was Pep, I'd say look, bring Arteta and look what he's done in at Arsenal in like you know six months. He's turned him into a decent team, you know, and he's going to be like one of the top choices. And then Arsenal's going to have to go out and find someone, and they're going to be back to square one again because who Arsenal? Who, who the hell's going to stay there? I mean, they're you know, look, they're a decent club, and. I kind of this Arsenal kind of segues into I wanted to get back to something with Leicester. You know, Leicester um, right now, it's interesting. Starting October 22nd, October 22nd, October 29th, November 5th, November 26th, December 3rd, December 10th, all Europa League uh, match days. So, you know, that October, November, December run, which on top of all the other stuff, that they're going to have to do in the league, you know, with Arsenal, with Leicester. I mean, I think, you know, this it, until the, the, the next international break comes and they come back and they start playing, you know, two, like they are kind of now with the um, Carabao Cup, but people aren't even taking that seriously. But I think, you're, you know, Europa, I think you have to because you have to, you know, you have to advance and you have a chance to, to, to get into the Champions League if you win it. But when you start seeing these teams, I think that's when you'll start to see how good Leicester and Arsenal are um, when they're going to be playing, you know, two high-level games, either, you know, Thursday, Sunday, or Thursday, Monday, and they're, you know, have to fly to, you know, wherever, Eastern Europe, and then come back and play. Um, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be interesting, and that's actually why I – this is going to sound insane because I'm going to frame it insanely. But the, the injuries now for Leicester, not the worst thing in the world. Because you're going to need some of these guys that are playing right now for an injured Ndidi, for an injured Johnny Evans. Like, Nempolis Mendy is going to have to be a contributor if Leicester's yeah. going to be consistent in Europe and in, uh, in the Premier League. Amarte um, coming back off a broken leg, he's going to have to be a contributor. Uh, Luke Thomas at, what, 19 years old. He's going to have to play some big-time minutes. Ian is going to have to score some goals. So getting these guys game experience now, I don't actually think is the worst thing in the world for Leicester. Are you a little bit worried about the Vardy injury just because it's a it's a muscle thing and it's a and there's a lot of games in a short amount of time? And he, you know, if he doesn't play, I think I think they're in a little bit of trouble. Is it, is that something that might might um, worry you a little bit? I mean, listen, it's certainly on the radar. There's no doubt about it. Um, I don't think Ianacho is quite as bad an option as Brendan Rodgers seems to think he is, because <laughs> boy, does Brendan Rodgers seem to want anyone to be the backup striker but him. Can they bring uh, Slimani back? Oh Christ. Uh, the other other thing that I think is worth keeping an eye on is with the acquisition of Cengiz under from Roma, I think that, that now allows Iosi Perez to get back to his natural center forward position and be a little bit more of a backup in the middle, as opposed to having to play out on the wing, because when Iosi Perez is on the wing, even though he scored some goals last year, it's statistically impossible. Because every time he touches the ball, he seems to do the wrong effing thing. And he drives me nuts watching him play sometimes. But he still finds his way into some goals. And I think maybe getting him back more toward the middle and off the wing will contribute uh, maybe to some increased success for him. So I don't think the depth – obviously, listen, Jamie Vardy, I I said it earlier in the podcast, he doesn't get credit for it. He's one of the best strikers in the world. He's one of the best number nines in the world. He won the Golden Boot last year. He's got a ton of goals already this year. Like, he needs to start being recognized as one of, if not the best striker in the world, not named Robert Lewandowski. But in terms of backups, in terms of depth behind him, with Perez, with Iannaccio, it's not great, but we're not one of the Blue Blood clubs. So we're not going to have a great player behind a a guy like Jamie Vardy. You're going to need the Iannaccios and the Perez to step up. Uh, let's play a game of contender or pretender. 
after three, three weeks of the season. Everton 2, Crystal Palace 1. Carlo Ancelotti's Blues are 3-0 and to start the season in joint top along with Liverpool and Leicester. Dominic Calvert-Lewin on fire. Five goals in the first three games. Uh, another VAR penalty uh, in that one. Richarlison converts in the, in the 40th minute. That ends up being the winner. James Rodriguez has been really good uh, since, since coming over. Uh, Everton, and is this, is this finally the year that Everton puts it all together. Yeah. Um, tough. I, I, I think they're going to be there for the majority of the season. Um, you know, I, you know, will they challenge the team? Liverpool and Everton, obviously, you can see the stadiums from, from each other. They're, they're about not even a mile apart. Um, will they be able to challenge for top four all season? I'm not sure. I, I I think they can. I think they're a dangerous team when they play. If you've seen them play over the last few years, when they put it together, they're they're a pretty good team. When you know if they can keep doing this, you know, come November, you know, if they're they're hanging around that top three, I think you'd have to give them really serious consideration. But um, but but by the way, first Mer- Merseyside derby of the season, October seventeenth. So right after the they, they come back from the international break at Good at Goodison, Everton Liverpool and look again a shame Everton we won't have never to, beats Liverpool. I know never ever. beats Liverpool well, ever, but be, a shame we won't. Yeah. But a shame we won't have fans in the stands, particularly if those two teams are both four and zero to start the season. <laughs> the, like the I mean, wouldn't that be that would be electric if they were both unbeaten to start the season? The best uh, thing going ever. into that that one. Uh, Sky Sports and Premier League and NBC—they always like it's the Derby and the blah. Oh man, those games are terrible, man. Every game is like nil nil or like one nil. It's like they're like the worst games ever. Everton just is happy with the point. Well, you know, may, who knows? I mean, if you see Everton go out and win that match, maybe it changes the things this year. But I, you know, I'm still not sold. But you know, we'll see. They—they've they, they looked pretty good so far. Everton has everything they need to be a contender from this perspective. I think they have a, an elite player in James Rodriguez. I've been a longtime supporter of James. I know he wasn't great when he went out on loan from Madrid, but that first season at Madrid, he was still a really good player. Then Sedan came in, his form fell off. So I really like James, and he's he's playing pretty well. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is scoring goals. Jordan Pickford hasn't been a disaster. Ancelotti's a good coach, and something we just mentioned a couple of minutes ago that Everton has a huge advantage on. They don't have to play the truncated European schedule. They can concentrate on simply playing league games and being good in the league, which is a massive advantage that the teams that they're going to be contending with don't have to deal with. So this Everton team, you know they're going to be well-coached, you know they're going to be able to create opportunities. They have a decent enough defense, and they're going to have arguably the freshest legs in the league. All right, week uh, week four, uh, which again will be be right before an international break, so there'll be an October window there where they'll play uh, uh, UEFA qualifiers, and the, the international schedule is just a total a total train wreck right now because of COVID and travel restrictions everywhere um you're talking about now players who are going to have to go to south go to south america because i think cotton noble wants to start its world cup qualifying during this october window so this 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 whole thing is going to be uh just just totally the wild but before we get to that the big week week the big match from week four spurs against united Sean, take I, it away. I, I thought you were going to ask me if Aston Villa was a pretender or contender. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about <laughs> Look, that uh, yeah. today. Um, <laughs> what uh, I mean, I mean, is... full, Fulham are headed for a for a another relegation. Uh, you, you, it's just you, not. It's I not. Think... It's not. Comp- it's not competitive at this level. Yeah, they, they, they'll make. Yeah, I think. I think Parker goes in the in the in the break, and and they'll they'll make some changes. But um, like what you know. This this uh you know United team I, I think that they are going to be 
kind of getting into better shape now. He's starting to figure out what his lineup is. Uh, they have Brighton on Wednesday in the in the Carabao Cup fourth round, which um, there's some interesting matches in that. If, if we'll talk about that kind of at the end of the show. Um, but I don't know who he's going to um, you know, play in that game. Honestly, I hope I, you know. I, hope, I don't even care about. I, it's a trophy I'd like to win, but Manchester City is going to win it, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but this, I think, this game is is going to be a big one. It's a big one for Spurs, obviously, because especially after dropping dropping the point against Newcastle Ooh, and Manchester I, United, obviously lost the opener against Crystal Palace, and you don't want to get too far behind Liverpool, which is already three wins from three. So yeah, I think this is a big game for both teams. I think they both need to need to try and get a win in this game. Yeah, we'll, we'll you know I'm gonna we'll see if if any players come in maybe uh, that are able to be signed before the um, I think the I think the you have to be registered before Friday, or Friday at noon maybe you know obviously you know it's been linked with with a few players um, specifically the most noise coming from left back uh, Alex Tellis, which you know if if you watch. You know, that United game the other day, most of their attack was coming down that left side, and Luke Shaw was all right, but that's what Alex Tellis excels at. You know, if, if you have kind of an attacking um, left back on that side, and, you know, 13 goals and 12 assists last year for Porto, that's what he, he takes free kicks, he does this stuff. If you have someone that can do that and overlap, you know, now Aaron Wan-Bissaka can sit back. He doesn't have to go forward as much. And, you know, he's a you know he's he's more of a defensive, you know, um, outside back. So, uh, it changes some things. Obviously they have to fix the center backs. Uh, Victor Lindelof stinks. Um, you know, joked in the group chat earlier about, you know, Fulham buying some of United players. I mean, hopefully they start United sold, you know, uh, Andreas Pereira is going to go to Lazio today. I was announced and they're going to start selling some of these guys off. So maybe they're going to have some movement come in, but I, I, I think, Last year when they played Spurs, I was at that game, and they, they, they really outplayed them for, for large stretches um, in, in, at Old Trafford. And, uh, you know, hopefully they go out there and they, they just play. They have the, obviously the attacking talent up front. I just think they're not in optimal game shape at this point. Pogba's looked terrible, but, I mean, he's coming back from COVID, so you got to give him a little bit of a pass. Donny Vanderbeek is going to come in and be a, be a beast, so... I would actually play Vanderbeek maybe in that game, start him and bring bring Pogba off the bench, skim a little rest in midweek and, and and do that. But I, Spurs, I, you know, I never know what to think with them. They they they, they look like last week, Yim Sung is scoring four goals and they're you know going crazy, and then this week they look terrible. I just, but that's Jose Mourinho's teams. Will they will they measure the goals before the oh, game? Man, how great was that? That was that was the greatest. But, after, once but, again, after but, the Brighton match, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Thank God they didn't measure the goals today. I mean, it was crazy. Like, but the, how about crazy was that? The goals were short. Like, I know. But here's the thing, jo- Jose is not wrong. You like if you play oh. every day, right? And you're out at training every day, or yeah, if you're if you're like a goalkeeper there, you know, like if that goal if that goal is 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 even if that is what a quarter of an inch short. You know, you, you like know where you it hits feel. on your hands. Yeah, you know where it hits yeah. on your hands. It was five centimeters short. I mean, which, you know, it's two inches. I mean, you know, you know, hey, this, this is supposed to come up to here, and my hands is coming up to here. There's no way. And then they actually measured like, it. It was short, but, you know, it's, it's short for both teams. I covered, I covered a basketball game this past year where they came out and they asked them to measure the, the, the basketball coops, which are supposed to be 10 feet. Because somebody thought that it was a little bit low, and they went up and they measured it. It was nine feet, like three quarters of an inch. They had to pump it back up that extra little bit, like that, like this little little amount. You can, you tell. can tell if you're out yeah. there every single day. You're you know if something yeah, is off. Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're in a lead, a- absolutely. Um, just, let me just run down the rest of the uh, the match week four fixtures, uh, and if there's anything that stands out, you guys jump in uh, once I've run them down and 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 let me know. Lester. Uh, will host West Ham again. Leicester three and zero to start the year on top of the the league on goal differential. West Ham got its first win four 0 over Wolves last week. Uh, Southampton against West Brom at St Mary's. West Brom was three 0 up against Chelsea uh, before Chelsea rallied to to tie that to to draw that match at three. 
Uh, you know, they got some 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 big contributions there. Uh, Hudson Odoi came off the bench and looked really good uh, for Chelsea in, in in that game. Arsenal host Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United is in a little bit of trouble yet to win this year. They look like they've regressed back to what uh, a lot of people thought thought they would be. Um, in terms of that, they definitely punched above their weight last year. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Not just yet to win, yet to score. It's Even Fulham what a, scored it's a amazing goal. What a, it's amazing what a goalkeeper that kept 15 clean sheets can do for you when you're <laughs> struggling for points. And thing, I mean, when you're winning games one nil last year, and you know, getting some getting some draws. I mean, look at the two games that he didn't play against Manchester United. How many goals did Sheffield United give up last year? Six in two games. That was Right there, that was a warning sign for me. I'm like, man, without him, they're not very good. And I know they tried to get do everything possible to bring him back in, and and United just said, listen, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep him because uh, you know, he, he's he's gonna be the United number one at some point this year, I think. But um, Arsenal should really kind of that's the kind of game Arsenal should win, and it should be two nil, three nil, whatever it is. And I just you just know. It's going to be like nil-nil or like one-nil Sheffield with like in the 85th minute. And you're just going to be like, what the hell, man? Arsenal just – like that's Arsenal. They should win that game easily. Um, what about Wolves-Fulham? Wolves, yeah, next one. Wolves-Fulham at Molino. Again, Wolves bad taste in, in, in their mouth after, after getting shellacked by West Ham. Fulham. Looks uncompetitive in this division. Tony Khan, who basically runs the operation there, was out on Twitter today telling everybody that the center backs weren't good enough. They tried to buy a bunch of center backs, but they couldn't for various number of reasons. Scott Parker, I don't know what he's doing with his team selection. He seems to be picking a better team in the Carabao Cup than he is in the Premier League. Uh, look, And I know they played two lower league opponents in, in, in the Carabao Cup. Maybe um, they should sign in again, a goalkeeper. Uh, but then again, they they signed a guy who was they signed a guy who was at PSG oh, who geez. PSG sent on loan because he would have been the third choice there yeah. behind the second choice who was Fulham's first choice the last time it was in the Premier League. <laughs> if you followed all of that, so it, again, it's just like it. I don't even know. Like I don't even know. It just it looks like they're headed right back down to the championship. I don't know how they're going to be able to salvage it. Certainly not when you defend uh, the way they did today. To to give up three goals at home to to Aston Villa is ridiculous. Um, and, and again, Scott Parker. If they go in and lose at Wolves, I, I don't see how Scott Parker gets through the international break. We kind of talk. I mean, look. If Fulham makes actually makes a sacking here, we could talk more about who we think the manager would be. I know a, a lot of people like Eddie Howe. Um, who is available right now might be a good choice there, but again, that's that's something that'll come down the line. I think once they eventually do sack Scott Parker, uh, we hit on United Spurs, Aston Villa again uh, against Liverpool at Villa Park. Aston Villa is actually off to a good start this year, six points from the first three matches. Liverpool again, uh, title title favorites, three wins from three. Uh, I think Aston so that's, Villa is a little bit th- this. Aston Villa is a little bit closer to what I thought last year's Aston Villa was going to be. I, I didn't think they were going to struggle so badly and just have to, like, scrape to the last day to stay up. Um, and Jack Grealish, so Jack Grealish is a really good player. Yeah, like, he's, yeah. he's, he's really good. He's going to be in the England side for, for years to come. Um, those well, were actually unless, the Sunday. Unless his name keeps picking Mason Mount over him. <laughs> uh, those were the Sunday matches, so I actually I actually reversed that. Here are the Saturday matches: uh, Chelsea against Crystal Palace. Again, Chelsea was three 0 down uh, against West Brom in just a ridiculous performance in the first half. You from, like from Crystal Fra- pa- uh, Palace? You play like Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. In that when first is that, half, when is uh, Timo Warner going to start? When is he going to play for Chelsea? Is he gonna, is, are well, they, they going to play him at some point? Yeah, well, he's 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 playing here. He just oh he has oh, he's been playing. Has it? Yeah, well, he hasn't been great yet. And same with and, and same with Kai Havertz. Havertz got a hat trick in the in a Carabao Cup, but he had a nice assist. These they brought uh, these in the guys game. in, man. I'm telling those, you. Yeah, look, they did. They the, did, but it takes some time to adapt to the pace yeah. of the Premier League. You you know that. I, you knew look, that coming in. I knew. I think Havertz. Once again, I say like he's. 150 pounds soaking wet, you know, whatever it is, 10, 10 stone soaking wet. He's class. He's he's a good player. 
he's gonna he's gonna get it. He's gonna put some weight on. He's gonna be good. I I just I mean you talk about I I just don't know how good Werner is. I mean I you know he's the kind of guy that scored a bunch of goals in, in the Bundesliga, but I think he could come over. He could be like Josie Altidore. I don't think he'll struggle that badly, but. You know, he's the guy that begged off the field for for RB Leipzig because it was too loud in the first half of a Champions League game. Man, you know, it's a little, you know, we'll see. He was he was he was a guy who didn't he was a guy who didn't finish the Champions League season with Leipzig. I know. So he could go to it's, Chelsea. You know, that's crazy. You know, if if he stays with Leipzig, they could have won this. I, you know, they could have won the whole well, tournament. Maybe they maybe they would have been a little better against uh, PSG in the in the semi, but I don't think yeah, they would have been Bayern in that. You, you got you, you, you stay the whole you know you're, you're here for this whole time, and then all of a sudden, like, what's the difference? You're not going. You know, Chelsea's not even playing now. Like you're you're still playing. You're in game shape. Your stuff. Like I know he doesn't want to get hurt. He's already transferred. But like, man, that's your team. I, I just that kind of told me a little bit. And, they, yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. And and also Chelsea still without uh, Zayech. And Polisic, both are still out. I would imagine that they might keep them out until after the international break. Uh, you know, just to make had sure a bad injury. I know. You know that, that just injury to, looked pretty bad. Yeah, just to make sure that they're both healthy. I know they're both back in training now. Uh, they probably need they need both of them. They need Polisic probably more than they need Zayek. Zayek. Um, you know, Polisic was their best player after the COVID break. Um, his problem is obviously he's got to stay healthy. Um, and that's that's certainly a big concern. Apparently, they have a specialized training program they're working on with him uh, to try and keep those hamstrings loose and, and, and keep them and keep them from 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 uh, snapping. There's a big so, there's a good story about Ryan Giggs. I mean, when when he was coming, you know, he, he was playing for Manchester United when he was 17. I mean, he came up. He was, a, I mean, he was ridiculous. But you know, he's playing in '92 team, '93, like all the way up and. He kept getting injuries, hamstring injuries, all the time. And and if you remember, you know, Giggs was playing all the way to like he was the manager. He's subbing himself on when he took over from Moyes to 2014 when he was like 40 years old. He started to do a lot of yoga and these 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 all this different stuff. And they they had to kind of manage him a little differently than some of the other players. And then once they figured that out, he started to not get injuries. So maybe that's something that they're going to do. You know, that specialized stuff with usage. Sure, Everton against Brighton at Goodison Park. Again, I think it's a good game. I think that's a potential trap game for Everton before the international break, especially with Liverpool on the other side of the internationals. Uh, and that's a, that's a decent Brighton team. Uh, Leeds hosts Man City at Ellen Road. Leeds has got two wins from, from its first three. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead, Mike, because that, lead, that Leeds team is, is they are dangerous on any given day. And you talk about a, a team that might not necessarily have their back four together yet. Is Diaz going to play? Is Laporte going to be healthy? If there's a side that can pressure Manchester City pretty similar to what Leicester did, I mean, this side scores goals. This is a dangerous game for Manchester City. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of teacher versus student as well, right? Bielsa against Guardiola. Sure. Uh, and seems, then, uh, and then, seems, and then, seems and then New, well, let me just, too. yeah. And then uh, the, <laughs> yeah. la- the, the, the final game, uh, Newcastle against Burnley. Uh, Burnley is yet to win. Uh, Newcastle obviously picked up a point. Uh, a controversial point against uh, Spurs. Burnley's in trouble, by the way. Like they're yeah. they're they might be the, the year from hell team. Yeah, they're yeah, in but trouble. Even, but but a year from hell may not be enough to get you relegated when you've got Fulham and West Brom and a really a struggling <laughs> Sheffield United. Well, it's funny because so. the bottom four right now is Burnley uh, and, and the three clubs you just mentioned, and like that's the bottom four. Like they're probably going to be down there. Most of the season with that Fulham West Brom, I, yeah, I, I still think I still think Sean Sean Dyke is is far too good of a manager to get sucked into a top to a to a relegation scrap. Uh, I think he'll find a way to, to get the most to get the most out of Burnley, uh, and and we'll look up you know when we cut co- we'll come back and we'll look with what a month ago and Burnley will be sitting there in thirteenth, so, you know, eight points clear. I, probably not, but I'm just posing the question here. There's a lot of things you could say about the cons, but tight wallet, it isn't really one of them. That's with the accurate. Frust- and with the frustration that Sean Dyche has had with this Burnley management, is there a chance that the cons could lure Dyche 
to London, to the other side of London to take over this Fulham side. I don't mean to get your hopes up here, Kyle. And I know you said you wanted to talk <laughs> about this when they actually sacked Parker, but with the amount of frustration that Deitch has had, if you could get him coaching that Fulham team with that Fulham budget, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it is. It, it is, but it's right now. It's 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 something that's a what if. Sure. Like what if what if Fulham fires Parker? Although we think they end up eventually will. You know what if he's Dyke is is willing to leave Burnley? So so it's still um, you know all hypotheticals right now. And, and like I said, what I think once we actually get to the point where there's going to make a change made, then we can you know kind of talk about who's who's next in line uh, for that job. So that that wraps up our Premier League coverage for the Amerigal Football Podcast. I do want to hit on a couple uh, other quick things here uh, before we go. Uh, Champions League, the the final Champions League playoffs will be on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that stands out there. Uh, I guess I guess we all want to see Red Bull Salzburg uh, finish the job there and, and get in. They're probably the the most exciting of the teams left in in the uh in the playoffs uh again we could also see some some new blood uh you know molde of norway if i said that correctly and Fedor sean fenner the hungarian team Ferran Ferran baker i'm struck i'm struggling here both those teams have been in the champions league once before about uh you know or early 2000s there. Molde is where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer used to coach. Yes, and came from. yes, yes. So, again, we could see some new blood in there. Uh, Krasnodar, uh, the Russian club, is is up on Pauk. Uh, I think you got Dynamo Kiev, which is 2-1 up on, on Ghent of, of Belgium. Uh, Olympiakos looks like it's it's in pretty good shape against uh, Ammonia of Cyprus. And then Slavia Prague, no-nil draw with uh, Michelin of of Denmark in the in the in the first leg. Do you guys see anything? I wrote a, a or I read a little story about that Ammonia team. Um, they only became like a private club like two years ago. I mean, they've won a lot of titles in the league. They've never made it to into the group stages of either. And and obviously, you know, either way, they're going to go into one or the other. Now at this point, they're you know they're going to go into the Europa League or the Champions League. So um, it's kind of a big deal for them. But yeah, you know that Ferencvaros, Ferencvaros, Ferencvaros. I don't think I'll ever pronounce that correctly. Ferencvaros, three-three. Uh, I mean, that could be that could be good. I know yeah, that was showing, a wild game. That was a wild game. CBS All Access is showing those games tape delayed, or are they showing them live? Um, they're live. They're live on the the, the stream. The and then I think they're tape delaying one game on the CBS yeah they show I saw um, and then the, the the tomorrow is the the Carabao Cup round of sixteen um, and there's some pretty big matches in the next I'm missing one here Tottenham Chelsea is tomorrow two forty five that's the that's the lone game tomorrow a big time game but once again who knows who's going to play in that game. Uh, Newport County, Newcastle, Wednesday. Burnley, Manchester City, Wednesday. Brighton, Manchester United, Wednesday. That's the TV game, I know, because uh, it's 2.45. Everton, West Ham, Wednesday. And then Thursday, there's three games. Brentford, Fulham. A rematch of the playoff final. Brentford, Fulham. Aston Villa, Stoke City. Interesting game. And Liverpool, Arsenal, again. So we have two rematches. Brighton Manchester United played this weekend and will play again Wednesday. Liverpool Arsenal played and they will play again this weekend and both in the same stadium. So I think that's pretty interesting. But there's some interesting games in this tournament. I think, you know, Everton West Ham, Brighton United, Tottenham Chelsea, Brentford Fulham, Kyle. Can they can Fulham win the uh, Carabao Cup? Can, can Fulham win the Carabao Cup without winning a game in the Premier League? <laughs> Could be possible. I, to, I, I'll be honest, you know, when when they do this, the the, the way they're doing this Carabao Cup now, where it's second round, third round, fourth round, and then the quarterfinals are, are coming soon after the break. You know, the when you see like the, um, in, in La Liga does the um, Copa del Rey, when they start at the round of 32, they do like 32, 16, 8, 4, 
like quarterfinals, semifinals. It's like back to back weeks. Like they go Thursday, Thursday, and Thursday, Thursday. They just do it. They just play them all like in, in February and March and April. And then, you know, they just get done with it. And then they play the final later in the season. Like, yeah, they, they spread these things out all over the place. I, I, I actually like it a little bit better this way. So you just know, listen, we're going to get to this point. Then we're going to play like the semifinal, the quarterfinals in December, the semifinals in January, the finals. So it's spread out. You make a little run, you get into it, and maybe get a cup. I don't know. If so, that yep. So, so uh, let's go around the the continent a little bit. Um, some just kind of hit some some news stories. Bayern Munich's twenty three match win streak comes to an end. Bayern beaten four to one by Hoffenheim in uh, the Bundesliga. So, uh, <laughs> so just when we thought Bayern might not ever lose again. They they go out and, and lay an egg in that game. My incredibly bad take from last week immediately yeah. justified. Thank God. Yeah. Right after, um, yeah, I mean, a couple of days after. Yeah. I mean, a couple of days they had to travel to to, to yeah. the Super Cup that went to extra time and they had to work time. hard and it cost me a cost me a uh, twelve team uh, parlay. Uh, that, yeah, that and, and I, the thing I, that I was had eleven of the twelve, and that was the last one. Yeah, and, and, and what it really did in in that league is actually offered a reprieve to some of the teams chasing Bayern Dortmund because Dortmund was, went, lost at Augsburg, uh, Leipzig was held by uh, Lever, Leverkusen one uh, one. So so Bayern like Bayern Bayern almost could have won the title in week two by winning that game. Yeah, uh, that, that but now it does. Mess. Yeah, but it does at least. Um, you know, it, it at least shows that, that league is they're not they're not second through whatever. I mean, you're you're fighting for second and third, and four. you're fighting for the Champions League spot because you know the, some of those teams getting in the Champions League and, and getting that fifty million dollars, fifty million euros, whatever you're gonna get, is, is big for them. I mean, you see some, you see what's happened to Schalke and everything <sighs> here. So, um, I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about my my. Uh, how about League One? My man. Uh, well, I was gonna, and Red. Well, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna give you while we were on Bundesliga. I was just gonna say, let's give your guy Pellegrino a shout out. Got his first uh, Bundesliga win for for Stuttgart on on the weekend. Yeah, uh, they have a young young group, uh, attacking group. They could score a lot of goals. I don't know if they could keep goals out, uh, but they'll be. They're one of those teams that if you're a neutral, they're they're. Uh, they're really fun to watch, and I, I think he's got enough there to stay in the Bundesliga, uh, especially you when you have... League, if you score goals in that league, yeah. you're going to be all right. I mean, you see the teams uh, especially... that struggled last year. They, they were the teams that couldn't score. I mean, if you can go out and, and you know, and win a game 4-3 or, or, or score a couple goals and stay in some of these matches, you, you're, you're going to be all right in that league. It's the teams that don't score there that, that really struggle, and it's really kind of the same thing in, in, in some of these other leagues. <clears throat> like in France or or, or, or um, Portugal and, and stuff like that. My my man, uh, I was just talking about Ren. Uh, this kid Camavinga is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He, I just got my uh, DH gate sent me my uh, my Ren uh, Camavinga shirt. It's pretty cool. It's got the little dotted eye on on the back. Everything's capitalized up the eye, but the, he is unbelievable. They're one of those teams at and. And they're one of those teams that you won't want to be drawn against in the Champions oh, League. Oh man, because they're just going to be—they're going to be a headache to play against if you get them yep. in your in your group, especially since they'll be coming from either that pot three or four uh, in, in the Champions League. So they're they're kind of in that that category. Like, I, do I want like I don't really want Ren in my group if I'm if I'm one of the top two teams in the pot. Like, I don't really want Red Bull Salzburg in my group if I'm one of the top two teams in the pot. Because um, because those, those two teams are just the way they play are just going to be it, it's going to be a, you know you're in for a tough game. Yeah, that that's um, looking at the Champions League. Um, the pots are are a little bit interesting this year. I mean, some of these teams that are that are going to be in, in the pots, um, you know, pot two right now. The pot one is obviously Bayern, Sevilla, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Juventus, PSG, Zenit, Porto. Listen to pot two. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Manchester United, Borussia Dortmund, Chelsea, Ajax, and Shakhtar. That's pot two. So, I mean, these these pots are going to be brutal. Pot three or four right now, depending on where the, the other team, the six teams qualify. You know, Leipzig, Inter... Lazio, Atalanta, Atalanta is going to either be in pot three or pot four. And that team is, I mean, they just, 
Every That's time another I, team. Put that. Add that team to the list. Oh man! Every time, I, every time I turn, every time I looked up the other day, they're putting another ball in the net. It was crazy. Locomotive Moscow was pretty good. Marseille, Club Bruges, obviously Mochin Gladbach, Basak Sakir, who's terrible this year. They've started off the year like winless. You know, Ren is right there, and then the teams that come in. I mean, these there's going to be some absolutely brutal groups in this. Um, uh, this Champions League, and I need my man David Gill to come through as vice president of, of UEFA and FIFA to come through and get Manchester United, to, you know, get him Porto from pot one, and then maybe like a Marseille or Club Rouge from pot three. So, you know, none of these, uh, not, I don't need Bayern and then, you know, Atlanta from pot three. It's, I, I, I do want to. Some of these groups, there's going to be some really good teams going home after the second, after the group stage this year, and it's going to be. You know, it's it's going to be crazy to see that that draw is going to be very interesting. Um, uh, I, the draw is thir- the, the the draw is this Thursday at um, fifteen seven uh, five o'clock Central European time, so six hours eleven o'clock. It's going to be eleven o'clock here on the East Coast um, this Thursday. It's going to be streamed live on UEFA.com. So that's going to be very interesting to watch that draw. That's. Yeah, and uh, I just wanna I just wanna wrap up with a little bit of transfer news here. Um, that kind of um, something I think that interests us uh, here in the states. It looks like Sergino Dest is going to head to to Barcelona. Dest, of course, is the the Dutch I guess Dutch American fullback who uh, the U.S. was able to get his commitment um, for for national team duty. They were able to get him to to commit over the the Dutch team. He had played with the, the U S team kind of gave him chances, the U S program. He had played with the U S team at the, I guess, under 17 and under 20 world cups. He was really good in the under 20 world cups, had a breakout at Ajax last year. And there was a little bit of a, a bidding tug of war between Bayern and Barcelona that went on. I guess it's not done yet, but it sounds like it's, it's just about there. Ronald Coleman, of course, is the, the new Bayern, uh, Barcelona coach. And he really likes Dest a lot. Tried to get him to play for the Netherlands in that international recruiting that was going on. Uh, but once he does officially get there and play, he will be the first American uh, national team player um, to play at Barcelona. So that'll be a, a, a pretty neat thing. And it, it just goes along with a trend of American players really starting to, to pop up in in big, big teams. Um, maybe I mean, look, maybe if, they'll make if, the World Cup this time. Well, they should make the World Cup. There's no excuse better. They better. this time. But, you know, like, if we ever get to see them play in another international match, since they won't be in action during this um, this Who's break, I guess they're... It's still that guy? Greg, it's still Greg Berhalter. He, it, and I guess they have some, some friendlies lined up for the November window. But the U.S. could, could put a team out with players who are at Manchester City, uh, Barcelona, Borussia Dortmund, Chelsea, RB Leipzig. Like that's where you'd expect to see players from Brazil. Yeah. So, so you got to. You're not talking about qualifying now. You you got you you know you got to you got to make a run to the quarterfinals or something at this point. I mean, you got to get a knockout round, and you got to get you you got to start doing some things with this team, man. And and that's why look. And again, we're not going to see them in the October window, but people are anxious to see this team. And I know they're a little bit off the radar right now because they had missed out on the World Cup because they haven't played in about a year. Uh, but when they do get on the field, if they are healthy, it is a team that is is young, uh, it's exciting, it's it's diverse, it's, it's likable. The biggest question mark, though, is the coach. Will the coach be able to get out of the way of these young players and just put them on the mm-hmm. field and in a position to succeed? That will be the, the, the biggest question for them. Who wins the biggest football match of the week? The Chiefs? Or the Ravens. Oh, well, as we it's got about the it's kicking off. It's kicking from off. England. I'm, it's uh, I'm, kicking off Ravens. right now. Is yeah, kicking off Ravens, right no now as we wrap team. up. Yeah, uh, I know Samson, man. You, you you're itching to watch this game. You think uh, we'll, we'll, Ravens we'll going to score a lot of points? But, uh, I I am a really big fan of like just watching beautiful football, be it yeah. American or world football. And I'll tell you what, the Kansas City Chiefs play some beautiful football. Uh, they do, and they have the best player in the league in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I'll take I'll take the Chiefs. All right. So uh, I appreciate John standing up and moving out of the way because he's got this beautiful big TV right behind him. He's just got three of them there. The you so can it works see. Perfectly. 
There's three. Sean has got, there's, there's one here. See, see, there's one here, and there's one here. We got the three TVs lined up for the uh, for, for the weekends. So uh, the people can't not, the people can't see us, but Sean has got the the ultimate setup there. Sean's really got a hell of a pad, man. Yeah, I got yeah. It's it's not bad. We got a little bar down here. We got three TVs. Uh, one of which is like 80 inch, I think, or something. I don't even know. It's crazy. But we, you know, it's it, it's it's uh. It's great because now you, you know you can't have anybody over. I mean, you can, but you can't. You know, it's just we set it up to have like everybody come watch the matches, and it's just you know, COVID. Maybe someday. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to to, to the end of another Margot. Kyle, what did you call it? Margot football match day. Match day. It sounds actually pretty good. Margot football match day. Um, Margot football weekly. So. Check in on, on Twitter at, at KJ underscore Franco with a K. I'm at the Prodigal Sean or at Margo Football, F-U-T-B-O-L. Samson, you got to search somewhere. He's probably on LinkedIn or something, maybe. <laughs> well, one last thing I want to throw out there, by the way, Sean, before we wrap it up. Um, we are now up on iHeartRadio as well, our podcast. Oh, sweet. So we continue to grow. I, uh, We're up on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and uh, and now iHeartRadio as well. And we, we've had a, we've had a bunch of the the, you know, the the sites I work for have been posting it a little bit, so uh, that given us a little boost. And uh, I I know a bunch of my you know Myron down in Belize and all, all my guys over in England are listening, so I, I appreciate that as well. So just keep listening, and you know we're gonna keep uh, keep doing this and, and and keep getting better. And, and obviously this is gonna be a crazy Premier League season, so uh, just stay with us and and, and uh, keep listening. So. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.